everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Fulfillment Podcast, where we help discover better you by finding fulfillment in life, relationships, finance. I'm your host, Josh, and in this episode, I want to bring on a special guest, Brett Knudsen. He's the founder and CEO of Monopolize, which is a digital marketing brand building agency. He's also founded Amari, which is a, found, which is a, uh, a watch company, as well as Hive, which is a social dating app, uh, kind of from back in the day. So, Brett, thanks so much for coming on the show. I uh, appreciate you spending your time and taking a little bit of time out of your really busy day today to actually uh, sit down and talk with us. Thanks for having me. So tell me, so you're doing today, right? You're doing what, like nine podcasts or something in a row. <laughs> I'm doing a podcast day. <laughs> so what's the, uh, what's your motivation kind of behind that? What's the, what's the driving force behind just crushing, you just trying to get a bunch of content and stuff to, to spin it back up for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have uh, requests for, you know, to be on shows and everything. And I, I, for those that, you know, if you don't know, I'm really, really uh, close with my wife and kids. And I try and spend as much time with them as I can. And so, uh, but I absolutely love um, talking to people such as yourself. And so I, I try and, you know, make it all in one day. So that way we can uh, get everything out there and I can have great conversations with people like you, but I can also spend as much time with my wife and kids as, as possible while running. Yeah. That's cool. That's like giving back almost right. Kind of to the people that are trying to do, I guess, something similar to what you did. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So if any of you guys don't know, or if you haven't followed Brett, um, you don't know anything about him. One of the things that I like, I, I'd say the most kind of about you is, um, I know you're close with Alex Morocco or Jason Capital, right? That's yeah. what you call him. Really but, uh, big guy. Yeah, super good dude. Uh, one of my favorite things uh, about him is he's kind of like just a good, um, makes you kind of think about like what's right in life, kind of like the good things and be grateful for a lot of stuff you have and, and think deeper on a lot of concepts. And if you guys don't know Brett, um, he shares kind of a lot of those qualities. And one of the things I really in particular like about you is just like the wholesome level kind of, of what you have. So like, I know you're doing really, really well. You've crushed it with a few different things that you've started and built. And the level of like family because you already mentioned like your family's super important and taking time out and all that stuff and i think a lot of people create this bias and this is one of the things i struggled with is letting go of people with money are evil and they're ultimately mm-hmm. bad people and they're they're just looking to make a quick buck off you and they're gonna rip you off and they're gonna throw you in the streets and i think you're a perfect testament to like somebody to look up to that's a moral standard somebody that's not even remotely close to that and what i've discovered is letting go of money being evil and understanding that as long as you put the right things first, money's a byproduct and it comes as an addition to just doing the right stuff and kind of pursuing the right things. Wow, well, thank you. That's very, very kind to say. Um, I, I would say I see money as a tool and mm-hmm. an amplifier. So um, if you're a, a terrible person, money's gonna give you the ability to be a much more terrible person, uh, much yeah. more greedy, much more selfish. And if you're a generous, loving, kind person, money will give you the ability to be much more generous, much more kind, much more loving, right? So um, money in and of itself is, is a tool. Um, it's not evil or good, but uh, it has the ability to do either one of those things, depending on the, the person whose hands it's in. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. What, uh, so I was, I was raised in kind of like a middle class family to where um, money is the root of all evil, you know, like kind of like that was the mindset. and that really, I'd say, kind of like messed me up and stuck with me for the most part up until probably about a year ago or so when I started to kind of like take on these ventures and do all this crazy stuff. I let go of that idea. Sure. Were you, like, what was your upbringing and did you have to kind of go through a similar like 
uh, like shift moment or like a release phase where you're like, whoa, maybe that like, maybe that wasn't true. And, and there's actually different truth behind everything. Yeah, I definitely can relate to that. Um, I grew up in a really small town where I don't think there was probably a soul in the town that earned over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm. Um, I didn't meet my first entrepreneur until I was an adult and my dad was a cop. My mom was a teacher. Okay. Uh, and so I went from, you know, kind of middle-class to poor when my parents got divorced when I was 14 and my mom uh, went through foreclosure and bankruptcy. And, uh, we lived, you know, right next to a trailer park and, and it, uh, wasn't the greatest. <laughs> and so I kind of saw, those two sides of the world, right? Yeah. You know, living with not enough, living with just enough, but I never saw what it was like to have more than enough. And um, I always felt like a black sheep in, in my family, right? Yeah. So I didn't feel, um, I, all I knew was what I didn't want out of life, okay. which is what I saw everyone else doing, right? So I, I knew I didn't want to go to college. I knew I didn't want to have a normal job, but I didn't know what alternatives there were. Yeah. So I, I was very lost. Um, and my, my parents kind of intentionally sheltered me from, uh, from entrepreneurship. And so, like I said, it wasn't until I was an adult when I was, uh, just turned 18. It was when I first met uh, a very successful entrepreneur who kind of took me under his wing and, and mentored me a little bit and, and was the first person to really believe in me and make me realize that maybe I wasn't weird. Right. Maybe yeah. I was just, maybe I belonged in a different, um, you know, type of setting with different types of people mm -hmm. and that I just hadn't been around any of those growing up. And so um, that was kind of my introduction into entrepreneurship. I ended up starting a company with him, actually. It was my first company I ever kind of co-founded. Um, okay. And that company was a very big, ugly public failure, huh. <laughs> right? So yeah. um, most, most people, you know, they, they have like a story of how they tried really hard and it was super hard and then they succeeded and, and yeah. I was uh, I tried really hard raised a bunch of money hundreds of thousands of dollars from friends and family which like I said grew up in a small town nobody had money so it's like five thousand dollars everything from people who don't have five thousand dollars right people taking out loans you know because they believed in in what I was trying to do um and yeah Dang. massive failure I didn't what I learned from that is I didn't have any control so um even though he saw potential in me Mm -hmm. And even though I had this title of founder, um, I didn't have any say in the business whatsoever. I didn't have like when he wanted to change the business model, which is ultimately what caused the company to fail because it was a flash in the pan success. It did well at first. Wow. Okay. Um, but he wanted to change the business model in pursuit of like higher ticket stuff and uh, like B2B stuff. And it just didn't work. And so um, that was when I learned about the importance of who you partner with. Yeah and who you attach your reputation to and the importance of having some say and having some control, right? Controlling interest is something that a lot of entrepreneurs talk about having controlling interest of your company. Okay. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that was my first experience and it was so humiliating and so public that I thought maybe I'm not cut out for this entrepreneur thing. Yeah. And I went and started selling cars because sales was kind of the only thing I knew. Okay. And so I started selling cars. And the only thing that got me back into entrepreneurship was trying to solve a problem for my mom. So my mom being chronically disabled and, and just sitting at home by herself all the time was very lonely. And so uh, I wanted to solve that problem for her. And that ultimately ended up becoming Hive, which was kind of my nice. first 
my first entrepreneurial success in life. Okay, cool. So in the, I guess in the process of kind of going through everything, um, having like how important, I guess, would you say the concept of having that mentor role, that person that kind of like guides you almost into the right direction? Cause I feel like at some points, and at least this is for true for me, but early on, it's just like, you're almost throwing darts at the wall as, as often as you can to see if anything's going to hit. Cause you don't know what you're doing. You're just, yeah. <laughs> you're trying to figure it out. And you're like, man, I, I really think something's here, but I don't know what it is. And I'm just trying. And you, you spend a lot of money doing that. You waste a lot of time. You have a lot of experiences, right? Failures and stuff. But like, how important would you say that mentor role is? Do you think it's critical or not so much? I would say that it's 100% necessary. Like it, it, it's, it doesn't need to be someone in person. It doesn't need to be someone sitting down over lunch with you Ooh, or necessarily, okay. but Interesting. if you're not, if you're not going to have a, a mentor um, that way, you need to be reading a hell of a lot of books and mm. you need to be basically self, you know, like te teaching yourself right. through consuming material from other people, because otherwise you have no, no capacity to develop the right mindset. Number one, mm. and you have no, uh, guidance as far as like what type of a vehicle, uh, metaphorical vehicle you should take in order to achieve success. Right. Um, you know, you have no direction. So, but the most important part of that though is mindset. And so for me, everything I experienced with him, I learned a lot, but the, the thing that the only real thing that mattered was that I had someone who believed in me or that I knew it was possible okay. because in my small town, there was no entrepreneurs. And so I didn't know what was possible and what wasn't, you know, it never even right. crossed my mind that someone started the stores I was shopping in every day. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I needed a mindset shift and that can only come from someone else. And, uh, it can come from someone else through a book. It can come once, you know, from someone else through a YouTube video, mm -hmm. uh, it can come from someone else through a course there. There's a million different ways it can, you know, it can come from okay. someone else, but it has to come from someone else. I don't personally believe that you can intrinsically, have a mindset shift totally on your own with no outside influence. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be either like your family has some experience so someone in your family can push you along or someone else. But I, that's uh, that's actually a super interesting thing to bring up because there's a, um, I, I kind of call it the, the spearhead and the driver. If you think of like a spear, right? You have the, the spearhead, the point, and then the driver, the shaft of the spear and almost like an entrepreneurship, sometimes you might try something as the spearhead and like go for it and then you get stuck and you can't get any further unless you got somebody like that shaft to like push you along. So it's almost like what you're saying, kind of like the mentor role is like, Hey, yeah. like you're doing the right well, thing. I, go. Yeah. And I feel like there, there's, there's one piece of it that's intrinsic, which is the desire, right? The drive and the ambition that you either have or you don't, I feel like. Yeah. Okay. Um, but even if you have that, if you, if you, if you lack the mindset, it's going to be real, real difficult. Um, and so at some point that drive or that ambition is going to lead you to either trying to learn through a book or trying yeah. to find somebody who can teach you. Yeah. There's, there's gotta be some sort of external, um, support almost right. When you get yourself kind of stuck, you have to have yeah. something else to kind of like pull off of or learn from. To be that like, too. Yeah. Yeah. Having somebody who's, who believes that you can do it does help a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, I will say, um, 
I, I've recently found somebody finally like that I can actually kind of like latch onto and ask questions and he's kind of like coaching me along through it. But I mean, um, a lot of Jason stuff, right. Uh, a lot of stuff from like Dan Locke, a lot of stuff from Grant Cardone, you know, like those guys that are in that kind of like entrepreneurial, get things started space. Um, very, very big, but like, I didn't know them personally. So yeah, it's interesting. And how you don't have to. Right. Okay. Yeah. What, what I would say is it's almost more important in the very beginning mm -hmm. to check yourself on who's around you and who's influencing you and who's in your peer group than, than it is to have an in-person mentor, right? Because if you have, That's if you're good. surrounded by several other driven people, yeah. you'll be fine. Right. But if you're surrounded by people who are kind of trying to drag you back to like homeostasis and like, you know, sedentary complacency, like it's going to be very, very hard to succeed. And so you don't necessarily always need to have like a mentor who's like, you know, saying, I believe in you, you can do it. Right. You don't yeah. need that as long as you're surrounded by other people who are driven and who are ambitious and who are, you know, pursuing your goals. Dang. That's, that's super powerful. Like the, the environment, right? The environment you surround yourself is kind of like where you go. Um, I forgot who it was that said it, but they're like, if you surround yourself with six rich people, you're the seven. If you surround yourself with six like motivated individuals, you're the seven. If you surround yourself with, you know, people of a uh, poor mindset, you're the, you're the next one. So it's, it's all about that kind of like little environment circle that you, you build yourself with. And it, it, it spirals up or down, right? So, I mean, right. if you have the, the way that, um, I think it was Tony Robbins who kind of explained it this way, which I, which I think is very accurate is your level of belief determines the level of action you take and the level of action you take determines your results. And then the level of results you get reinstills the belief for better or for worse. Well, so if you kind of don't know if you can do it, you'll, you'll take kind of, kind of don't know if you can do it level of action and you'll get yeah. kind of didn't sure do it results. results. And then you'll go, I knew I couldn't really do it. And then it spirals down. Whereas huh. if you go, I know I can do this, you take that massive action, you'll get massive results and it reinstills the belief. The problem is, is most people can't get to that level of belief unless they are given that result, right. which no one has ever given, right? So the yeah. way to manufacture that for yourself is to, because the, the mind can't tell the difference between reality and high detailed thought, right? So yeah. uh, if you envision yourself having that level of success, and you envision the result in advance, and it's very clear in your mind and you do it consistently, then that will give you that level of belief to take yeah. that level of action to get those results. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. It's wild. And I think that the trick is, is kind of like understanding that. Um, there's, uh, what was it Aaron Doughty, I think, talks about how you don't receive uh, what you want, you receive what you are, and that results in what you want, essentially, right? So you have to become yeah. that which you want instead of just desiring it. It doesn't work that way. You have to like embody that and become 100%. that. Yeah. That's, uh, I think that is a very difficult lesson to learn. I would say, at least from my experience, knowing that, um, so I was in the army for seven years. I seven years active duty, got out, sure. transitioned. I had a, uh, an opportunity with a financial advising firm to, to be an advisor with them. So that was kind of like my, I have a safe job, you know, getting out thing. Um, that kind of led me into this, like I was dealing with people that weren't serious about their future and their investing. And I was almost taking more action towards their future than they were. And it kind of frustrated me because then they'd roll back and I'd have to pay back commissions and just like this huge, like nightmare. And I'm like, man, I feel like I'm really spinning my wheels. Like I should be doing something more, but I wasn't willing to take the action. I just kind of wanted it. 
And mm. the moment at which I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to start this and I'm going to start this podcast and I'm going to start this media agency and I'm going to start these different ventures. As soon as I started taking action, then I can see like now, like the pieces are starting to like pull together, you know, and everything's starting to run. And it's, it's hard because I think you, um, like you said, you, if you don't put in the, if you don't believe you can do it, you don't put in that level of effort to become successful and then you don't become successful as an action. Right. And then it just continues yeah. to reaffirm. So like you almost have to get yourself to this mindset of like, this is going to work. It's going to work and it's going to be successful. I'm going to make it happen. And you just go all in at that action. Um, and then as a result, right, that'll come. But I think there's a piece in the middle of the taking action and like sustaining that action before it like shows results. That is probably the most critical part for anybody starting the venture. 100. Especially where like mentors come in. Yeah. So per perseverance is perseverance, persistence. It's the number one uh, differentiator, in my opinion, between someone who is successful and someone who is a starter. Right. Mm -hmm. So like a, a lot of people can start a venture, but the difference between the people who start and the people who start and finish, right. They succeed yeah. is that persistence to keep going when it feels like all hope is lost. And the yeah. only way to, to, to figure out the difference yep. is have you done everything that's in your control, right? Cause there's things in our lives that are in our control and things that are outside of our control. Right. We have a tendency to blame things that are in our control. Like for example, if I said, man, you know, I, I got wet because it's raining. Well, am I wet because it's raining or did I get wet because I forgot to bring an umbrella? Yeah. Right. I, I'm you know, late because there's traffic. Well, am I late because there's traffic or am I late because I failed to get up earlier? Right. right? So yeah. there's this uh, tendency for us to always look to the outside to, for blame. Mm -hmm. But in reality, if you want to succeed, you have to constantly be looking inside to figure out what's in your control and then like persisting through that and persevering through that and making sure you're doing everything possible in your control. And still sometimes it won't be possible, right? Not sure. for you, not at that time. But if you have the mentality of maybe not this vehicle, right? Maybe not this specific business, but I will succeed, right? So it might not be in this venture, right? But it will be eventually somewhere something then, then it's almost like the world has to bend to that level of perseverance yeah right? and so i had so many failed ventures before i had successful ones and the other thing that people don't tell you <laughs> is sometimes you have what's what i think is almost worse than a failed venture yeah which is a venture that's okay nobody talks about this huh. and this happens so you have a venture where like it's okay and I feel like the enemy of greatness is good enough, right? It's where we settle because it's like satisfactory oh, like, okay. almost. Yeah. Yeah. So I would have these ventures that would be like huh. good enough. Like they'd be okay. Okay. And in one instance, I actually had to like chop off the knees of a venture that was making like thirty, forty thousand dollars a month in pursuit of the ability to free up my time to be able to go after bigger things because I, it was using all my time and it wasn't scalable and I knew that. So it was like mm. a dead end result. You know what I mean? So that's a scary decision to have to make, but that's something nobody talks about is what if you kind of succeed? Yeah. Right. But it's not what you promised yourself and you know that it's, it's you're, you've hit a glass ceiling. You have to then kind of reinvent yourself and take another risk and say, I'm going to maybe stop doing this entirely and try something else again. Right. It's, 
Yeah, it's almost um, attachment to outcome, right? I think what leads to a lot of disappointment stuff we have in life is because we get attached to this outcome that we expect to to happen, this this thing. And that's kind of, I think a little bit, I guess, what you're saying is like, you get attached, like this has to work. This is my, this is my baby. It's, it's going to be good forever. But sometimes like, maybe you just need to let go of that thing in pursuit of what more potential you could achieve by, by utilizing that same thing. hundred percent. Wild. And that's where, right. That a mentor, I think would even further assist in something like that. Like, Hey man, you're wasting way too much time doing this cut loss, like not cut losses, but like, understand that this is probably better like either sell equity or or sell the business or something get get rid of the uh, you know the cost associated with that to you and use that on something that's going to be productive to the thing that you actually can scale and grow and, and want to do yeah well i think the other thing too that's important is when you're like when you're looking to find a mentor trying to and it's it's not easy but trying mm-hmm. to find a mentor who embodies a life that you want mm-hmm. not just one aspect of life that you want. Interesting. Right. So okay. a, lot, a lot of times people would say like, man, you know, if, if only I could have someone like Elon Musk as a mentor. Mm. Yes and no. Right. Like obviously he can teach you how to create a multi-billion dollar business and, and all this stuff, but yeah. at what cost, right? He's been divorced like four or five times. <laughs> so ideally right. it would be someone who's had tremendous success in business. And if you're someone who doesn't want a family, then Elon might be fine. Right. But if you, mm-hmm. if you want a family then you need to look for someone who's found a way to succeed in business and have a, you know, great relationship with their wife and kids. Right. So it's, it's about seeking someone who has the life you want, not just who succeeded in one area, because oftentimes the success in one area can come at the expense of success in other areas. That's true. Yeah. What, what advice I guess would you have for somebody then that's I'd say in the early stages, right, they're taking action and they're building and they're, they kind of have like a direction for where they want to go, but they're lacking, I guess, the, uh, the direction from a mentor or somebody with more experience. What kind of advice would you have for somebody reaching out and finding a mentor or trying to procure that role in their life? So here's what I'll say. So the option number one is you can just ask okay. that does work sometimes, but if you're finding trouble with that and it's mm. not working, then you need to step up to the plate and you need to pay attention to the person who you want as a mentor, figure out a way that you can add value to them. And then you need to add that value. Mm. And literally if like, if they're non-responsive, you don't like, don't even ask permission, right? Like I I was telling, uh, I was talking to a kid one time at an event and he said, "Um, there's this guy who I really want to talk to. And, you know, I'd love to have him as a mentor and he's got millions of followers and whatever. And, you know, he won't respond to me. And I asked him, but I know he needs a new website because his website's terrible and I can give him a new website. So I asked him if he wanted a new website and he didn't respond to me. And I said, build him the site. So he built the site, right? He took the action first that proved his level of commitment. He built the site and then the guy responded, they had lunch and now he has that relationship, right? Wow. So a lot of times, especially successful people, they're more than willing to pass on what they know. They want to help somebody, but they want to know first that that person is, is actually not going to waste their time. Right. Yeah. Right. Like there's a, there's a million. And the other thing too, is once you reach a certain level of success, there's oftentimes a lot of people that want you to mentor them, right. Yeah. They want your time. And so you have to I'm choose sure. carefully and the best way to help someone who could be a mentor, the best way to help them choose carefully is to take action first add value to them first, make an 
production, bring them a client, right? Do something for them first uh, that's of value and then, you know, they'll reciprocate. Interesting. Okay. That's, that's powerful stuff. Yeah. That's cause that, I mean, I know I sat there and just spun my wheels. It seemed like forever, but I mean, it was doing the same thing you said, right? You either learn through your own experience or you learn from reading books, watching YouTube videos, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, a lot of time spent just studying and listening to all these other people. And uh, I think it's really cool once you do find that you can create a connection, like you said, by doing something of value, bringing that to the table. Cause I mean, think, I mean, I even think of that for me, right? There's a lot of, you can even relate that. You can almost relate that to anything, right? I'm single right now, so I can relate this to, to the dating app world, but like even with a girl, right? If a girl, it doesn't bring value to me and I don't find her either helping me improve or pushing me further or whatever, like there's no value. So if she can come to the table and be like, Hey, you need to do this or, you know, can start adding something of value, like you said, to the table, then it's like, okay, you're different. I'll talk. What's up? Yeah. Well, and then just making sure that as you know, let's say you get a mentor and, and you, you achieve whatever level of success, making sure that you're reciprocating that. Mm-hmm. Right. And that it's, you know, it's kind of like a pay it forward mentality, but then also that, um, you just like everyone should have a mentality of how can I help? How can I bring value? Right. Because yeah. that's something that, um, not enough of the world does. Most people are takers. So as soon as they meet someone, they're instantly analyzing what they can, what they okay. can get out of that person, who that person knows that they can leverage them for. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's our natural survivalist kind of behavior to look into a relationship right away and try and figure out what we can take from the person wrong mentality. Right. So you should be looking to always add value, offer strategic value too, not just like, Hey, I'll work for you for free or, you know, Hey, let me know how yeah. I can add value, which then puts it on me to try and figure out what you're good at when I don't even know you. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm busy. Yeah. So trying to figure out, um, how you can add strategic value over and over and over again. And then if you're talking about really high caliber people, mm-hmm. once you have those people in your network, then what you should be trying to do, because they're, they're eventually going to want to reciprocate the value. Because if you just, you know, if they're a high quality person, they're not going to want to just take and take and take from you. It's right. going to make okay. them uncomfortable. And so when they offer to reciprocate the value, what you can do is obviously you can take it for yourself and it's more than justified at that point. And it won't hurt the relationship at all. But if you want to really be an exceptional relationship builder, you can instead recycle that value onto someone else in your network who needs it to where that introduction could be a strategic new mutual relationship that's built where you're adding value to both parties. And now you become a go-to person, right? And it's hmm. fantastic to be a go-to person. Yes, you have to work a little bit because you're solving everybody's problems all the time, but you want that positioning. You want people to think of you when they have a need because then eventually yeah. you can start to monetize those solutions, right? So whether it's someone coming to me and asking for, um, you know, someone who can solve a certain problem, then I can go to that person who can solve that problem and say, Hey, I'm going to send you a client who's ready to pay. What cut can you give me? Right. You broker a deal uh, kind of behind the scenes. Wow. Or it's just being the person that people, uh, refer their friends to when their friends need help and it furthers your network that way. Right. So like I've had, really, really big influencers say, Hey, you know, I'm looking for someone to, um, to be a producer of my podcast and then I'll find them a producer for their podcast. And now they're introducing me to their celebrity friends and they're like, Hey, you know, Brett found me, my producer for my podcast. So I'm sure he could help find you whatever for, you know, what your needs are. 
Thing. So it's just kind of becoming this person that's a, that's everybody's problem solver. It's mm-hmm. a lot of work, but you can monetize it. And, you know, especially like in my case, I have an agency. So I have a lot of different services that can provide these people to where I'm not always outsourcing the problem. Sometimes I can solve the problem internally too. Yeah, that, that gives a whole nother level of value. Would you say that the, uh, the monetization maybe almost comes as like an after effect of just being the person to provide the value? Yeah, and, and you definitely can't go into a relationship trying to figure that out. Otherwise, the motivation is wrong and mm-hmm. it won't work. You, like you, you should be trying to just exclusively add value to people and the opportunities to monetize will be very apparent, right? It'll be very, very obvious. Yeah. And, you know, you'll be able, as long as you have, you know, reasonable IQ, you'll be able to figure out a way to, to make money from it. You know, if they're mm-hmm. asking for, you know, somebody to help with, uh, you know, some service and you know that they're going to end up paying a ton of money for that. Well then, yeah, go to the company who you're going to introduce them to and cut yourself in. But outside of that, like you should just be seeking to be a person of value. Being a person of value is never going to hurt you. Right. Yeah. And so even though it might take some time and even though some, some people, by the way, you'll never see a monetary return and that's fine because that shouldn't yeah. be the way that you think about relationships. Right. I, it's almost like, I, I guess there's like two forms of, uh, I guess, value that you can get intrinsic and extrinsic, right? So you can get paid extrinsically through that, or you can get the intrinsic motivation or the intrinsic value, which is making the connections, building the networks, building the relationships, doing all those kind of things, which can just be, you know, exponents from here forward of how much you can actually oh, yeah. make like unreal. Well, the, the quality of our relationships and our lives are the number one determining factor of how happy we are. Right. Mm, mm. And so if, if all, uh, if all a new relationship is to you is an opportunity to make money, you've really mm. missed the mark, you know, I'm kind of missed the point. Right. Right. And, uh, ironically, if, if you care about the quality of your relationships, you'll likely never have problems making money. Yeah. And you'll probably have a smaller circle too. I've learned like, there's so many people that I've just, let go of, I don't spend time with, I don't communicate with anymore just because they're not like people that are, I guess, positive or looking forward or um, not like I'm taking value from somebody, but they're just not adding value to my life. Like I feel like I am with them. And it kind of goes back to your point of like, then nobody's going to want to work with you if you don't do that. And sometimes I think most people are takers. Yeah. And, and learning, I think to, to understand who's the takers and let them go shrink your circle right to the people that are worth your time is a huge piece of like the growth aspect of life. Yeah. And sometimes when you're first getting started, it's shrinking your circle down to you. Right. And that can be really hard for some people. Right. And it doesn't mean that you say, Hey, you know, uh, lifelong friends, screw you guys. Right. But it's just spending less time with them so that you're not being influenced by them. Right. And then, you know, filling those gaps temporarily, with books, right? Like virtual people, right? Books, yeah. YouTube videos, content, mentors, all that stuff. And then over time, as you're going throughout your entrepreneurial journey or whatever journey it is, and you have that mentality, you'll end up finding the people. You'll almost attract the people who should be in those roles in your life. It's crazy. It's wild. Yeah, to think, uh, to even just in my journey. So I started the podcast, I think back in May or June or something. Um, I think this is episode 41 or two. But uh, just to think that I've got Brett Knitson on my show right now is unreal. You know, it's crazy. It's, 
while it may seem like small to you, but like for me, especially in like growing and doing things um, that I've like kind of pushed myself to do to be able to realize like, Hey man, if you just take the action and you put yourself out there, like what, look at all the things that can come of this. And it's understanding that you have to let go almost of who you are at the time, your point A, you. And if you're trying to become this point B version of yourself, figure out what that point B person looks like. And if it's a whole different friend group and a whole different bunch of people you work around and a whole bunch of people you live with, like if you live in different places, work with different people, surround yourself in a different environment, let go of the things that aren't that, get rid of them and find yourself becoming, like become that and you'll start to attract all the things that that life has. Yep. Yeah, and um, to your point, building relationships, one of the most brilliant things that you can do is start a podcast, right? And okay. I mean, I can't tell you how many people, because the, the most challenging part of especially high profile relationship building is it's very, yeah. very challenging to get proximity. Right. Right. Yes. Like you cannot, you cannot be around the people you want to be around unless you have proximity to them, right? Common mm -hmm. sense. And if you can't have physical proximity because you live in a different country, you're still in high school, it's a pandemic, right? <laughs> Whatever it is, yeah, yeah. you can have virtual proximity and the best way to have virtual proximity is with a podcast. And podcasts are very, huh. very affordable, you know, as a medium yeah. to get started. And I feel like people don't have any excuse anymore, right? So podcasts are a wow. brilliant way to, to build your relationships. And, it, you know, it's very low barrier to entry. I have people who have, mm. I've had uh, done podcasts with where they don't even have a nice microphone like you have. Right? It's just nice. a Zoom call that they record. And gotcha. then they, they rip the audio. And so it's, you know, it's definitely a, a smart way to build relationships. And um, I think that the way that I see the world is you should be collecting friends, right? Yeah. You know, it's not, not in a way where like everybody knows your business, but you should be trying to be a person of value and trying to be somebody who is interested in people and helping people. Yeah, like genuinely building a happy relationship. Like somebody you would sit, I almost think of as somebody I would have dinner with have their family yeah. over and have dinner with them. Yeah. yeah. At, and when you, when you can get to that, that level, I don't know, it, I, it's just crazy. Like putting yourself out there, letting go of the concept of you don't know, like you, you'll never meet these people and being like, no, like I could totally do that. Like just let go of that idea. Let go of this mindset of I'm a tiny little person from a tiny little town with a, with a broke ass family and can't make money. Let go of that. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't know. It's crazy because everybody's got a story like that. But like you said, it's the people that all of a sudden like shift their minds and can let go of these things and think bigger. Those are the people that persist and start learning these things. Cause I mean, starting this podcast, right. It was more of a, this is a fun thing to do. Like I like voicing, I like meeting new people. I like getting out there and kind of just sharing these thoughts that happen up here and getting them out on a medium to, to actually yeah. share with other people to watch that basic thing grow into something that's now bringing on bigger guests, having like this network of people now that you're meeting and you're connecting with and you can go visit and see kind of how they operate. And now I'm learning all these things about the people I talk with on how they operate their business and it's helped me grow on my side. And that's kind of, I think how I got following you is because Jason's, uh, his marketing agency's program. And then you guys are obviously partners or something, I think, right mm -hmm. in the agency box. So kind of going through them like, Oh, who's this Brett guy? And then, Oh, Brett's actually like, seems like a pretty cool dude, you know, and then following you and seeing, you know, it's just, it's weird when you start letting go of things, how you can just trickle effect all the way 
along your journey and become this like totally improved version. hundred percent. It's insane. It's crazy. One of the things, um, I really, like I mentioned about how I like that your uh, family oriented family and stuff obviously is like a priority. One of the things I saw you post a little while ago, I think was, um, the, I think one of your daughters or whatever was sick, right? You guys were flying back home, I think coming from somewhere and your daughter was sick. So you couldn't fly the public flight. You instead chartered a private aircraft, came home so that you guys can still come home. You can still be as a family. You can do that. Yeah. You're like, this is why wealth is important. It's not for the money. Yeah. It's not for like the things. It's not for all that stuff, but it allows you the freedom to choose and do what you want. So you can still spend that time with your family. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I, when people who say money can't buy happiness, are not spending it properly, mm -hmm. right? They're not giving enough of it away. And they're, they're not like, they're, they're trying to fulfill a void in their life with material things. And when I look at the times that money has brought me the most happiness, it's when, you know, I bought my mom a car or I've been able to, like you said, charter a, a private plane home so I can stay with my family instead of having my wife and uh, it was my son quarantined okay. for 14 days before they can go on a, a commercial flight home. You know what I mean? So it's, Dang. it's, yeah. and it's, you know, it's the ability to, to help out. I had a family member, an extended family member pass away recently and they didn't have a lot of money. So it's, you know, helping, it's helping when it matters and being able to be that person in your family tree is worth it. If you have mm. the capacity at all to become wealthy, you should not for yourself, but for everyone else that you have the ability to impact with that. Right. Right. And the person that you become in the process is your reward, right? It's mm -hmm. not really the money. It's the person that you get to become. It's the people you get to be around. My, the, like one of my favorite parts about my life is the incredible people that I get to be in conversations with. It blows my mind. Cool. Right. You yeah. know, like I, instead of, uh, uh, you know, playing golf, by myself or whatever, I can play golf with the founder of Panda Express, who's a multi-billionaire. I think that's so cool. Like what the conversations uh, we have are so much better than the conversations yeah. I had with my buddies in middle school. You know what I mean? Yep. And so it's just, um, it's rewarding in a lot more ways than just being able to buy yourself a nice watch or car. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you founder better relationships with people. And and the cool thing is I think um, you, you start learning more, because you feel like you bounce off each other. Like you, it's that environment piece where you, you have such a tight circle or a circle with the right people in it to where you're the way you think you're not surrounding yourself with people that talk about politics, politics all the time, or talk about, you know, like things that just are uninterested to you or aren't going to help you improve. You're talking to people that are thinking the same way you are, which is how can I grow my business? How can I help out the next person? How can I, you know, do the next big thing and kind of like push through these maybe like hurdles that I'm experiencing. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's so cool. Like, yeah, there's a lot of things I think that I'm learning through this that uh, are starting to kind of like tie together and bring a lot of different lessons learned on how things that you believe, these paradigms, as Tony Robbins says, these paradigms that we build for ourselves of who we are when we're kids and then understanding that you can let go, you can break free of those and you become this like, you can become a whole totally different person. Like this lifestyle I'm sure that you have today was not the same breadth that you imagined you would be when you were 13, 16, 19 years old. No. No, yeah, no, not even close. Uh, but, but see, the thing is, is you, you, again, it's like you, de you develop the capacity mm -hmm. over time. It's a gradual thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you, you can't, uh, you can't run before you can walk. 
Okay. Yep. And so, and, and a lot of times people will get so frustrated because they just don't have the patience, right? It's not yeah. an overnight thing. And anybody who's ever appeared to be an overnight success has built themselves to have that capacity over the span of many years, right? And they just finally broke through. It's, yeah. you know, okay. so it's, yeah. it's not something that people can just achieve instantly. And it can be frustrating because everybody's paths in life are different. And so you might look mm -hmm. at somebody else and you know their story, you know that they started the same time as you and they're seeing success and you're not yet. And that can be frustrating, yeah. but just know that like, it's not a one size fits all thing. Everybody's yeah. Everybody's journey is a little different. Yeah. What would you say, I guess, to the, <laughs> to the young aspiring entrepreneur or somebody that's at least trying to start up, um, maybe not knowing what their passion is or what the direction is that they're trying to take, but they have kind of like you did that drive where, you know, there's something bigger meant for you. What kind of advice would you have for somebody like that in terms of figuring that out or how they would structure the direction that they're at least going to take in order to kind of like learn those lessons? Cause failure, yeah. I think we try to avoid, but that almost tells us what we what we should be doing. You hit a wall and you keep going, you hit a wall, you keep yeah. going and you figure out the direction you're supposed to take. So I would say the, the first thing I would say is that they already know everything that they need to know in order to succeed, mm. but that doesn't mean that they should stop learning because as they learn, it will give them new ideas that can help and, and aid and shorten their learning curve. They need okay. to surround themselves with really good people and um, they should have patience and it's, and when they start making money, they need to reinvest it into their own growth and the growth of their business, not into a Lamborghini. I can't tell you how many uh, people I've seen who, as soon as they make some money, they instantly start spending it. That is so foolish and so short-sighted, <laughs> right? So don't assume that, and even if you're making great money, don't assume it's going to last forever, right. right? Start investing it wisely and continue to learn. And, uh, and the lifestyle inflation and the, you know, Instagram posts can wait. They really can't. It's much, your, your, your older self will thank you. When I first started seeing money, and by the way, I'm speaking from experience, right? <laughs> I, I'm not, this is not philosophical. Like I, when I first started seeing money, I bought, oh, I bought a Maserati <laughs> and a Rolex and a bunch of stupid stuff. And then I had to sell it all because I went broke again because really? that happened. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Humbling, so huh? you can't, like, don't assume it's all going to last forever. And um, uh, be smart with it. And, and, and uh, the number one thing I would say, especially whenever um, the quarantine pandemic, all this stuff is over, is invest into proximity, like physical proximity. Go to as many parties, events, everything as you possibly can where there's a shot of you meeting the right people. Uh, yeah. Invest into a country club membership where you know that there's high level people that play at that club, uh, that clubhouse or you know golf course. And then literally just spend as much time as possible there. So you have a greater ch uh, chance of running into the right people, like invest wow. into the knowledge that you need in order to have good conversations with, with people who are successful, right? Like I don't drink wine, but I know about wine because I know that that's a subject that a lot of wealthy people care about. So just, you know, making sure that you're continuously learning and you're investing into relationships and you're smart and, uh, with the money that you're making. And uh, okay. not trying to, you know, buy your next social media flex. <laughs> so how, uh, somebody that is uh, focusing on, uh, we'll say, spending the money or saving the money even, I think can be equally as detrimental because you make a good point about spending it. 
properly, like to grow your business, spend it in the advertising, spend it in the, yeah. in the right aspects to help scale the business. Cause you can get to a point where you kind of stagnate, right? And when you stagnate your business, if it's not growing, it's dying. Yeah. So what would you, somebody that maybe hasn't recognized that, what advice would you have for somebody that's getting to the point where they're like, Hey, I can see something's kind of working, but I'm going to start, like, I really want these nice things. I haven't had, I haven't been able to have them my entire life. I really want to go kind of like in this direction. Do you say kind of like, Hey, learn the lesson the hard way or follow kind of some, some people that have done the right thing and are, are on that path. I mean, when it comes to like, when, when is it okay to start spending on yeah. yourself and increasing your lifestyle? I think that if at all possible, your passive income should pay for your lifestyle inflation. Love it. Yep. Um, and I think that if you're in some sort of a unique situation where, you know, I can't think of a unique situation where, where there's an excuse, but if there's some reason, you know, you want to be cash heavy because the real estate market you think is going to dip or whatever, um, you should be really, really careful. And it should be a very teeny tiny percentage. Like what, whatever, you know, Dave Ramsey, you know, who yeah. Dave, Dave Ramsey is? Yep. So Dave Ramsey, everybody always yells at him because his, uh, his financial guidance is ultra conservative, right? Yeah, right. And, uh, and I think his, his rule for like a mortgage is it's like 25% of your take-home pay or something like that. And everyone's yeah. like, you know, if it's 25% of your take-home pay, I couldn't afford anything. Right. I would actually argue that if you're an entrepreneur, it should be like 10% of your take-home pay. Is oh, like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. ultra, ultra conservative. Because if there's one thing I've learned, it's that as an entrepreneur, your income changes a lot and you will have droughts and you will have harvest seasons. Like you'll have mm. years where you make a million dollars followed by years where, where you'll make a hundred thousand dollars. You also have years where you might make a ton of money and then you have to invest that money into the next thing in order to keep things going. Yeah. And you can't take that money to live on, right? That's another thing nobody mm. talks about is sometimes you might have two back-to-back -back good years but the second year, you have to take a significant amount of what could have been your income and reinvest that in order to continue to grow or reinvest that in yep. order to, you know, start a, a business that's vertically integrated so you can scale or whatever. And so um, just, you know, being extra conservative does pay off. It's not fun, but you'll get there eventually, right? Instead of having yeah. Lamborghini at, you know, at 24 <laughs> and then having to sell it at 25, you'll yeah. have it at 29 and then you will never have to sell it, right? Patience. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Uh, what would you say to somebody who's going through kind of that dark phase of I have started this and while I'm putting a lot of money into it and I'm dumping a lot of resources and doing a lot, putting a lot of time into it, um, I'm not seeing any results yet. What, like, do I keep pushing? Do I cut my losses? Do I, do I shift onto something else? Like, what is the lesson that I need to be taking away from that moment? That's a really, really hard question to answer because it truly does depend on the circumstances. It okay. depends on the business. It depends on how long they've been trying. It depends on a lot of things. Yeah. Knowing when to quit is the billion dollar question, right? Like, like if everyone knew when to quit or when to, or when to keep going, yeah. there, I mean, everyone would be successful, right? So that's a very tricky question to answer. But what I will say is um, odds are, right? I, I can't, it's one, it's not one size fits all, but odds are you haven't tried hard enough mm. and you haven't tried long enough. Odds are, 
right? Just keep going. When, for, for me, when I was trying to raise money for Hive, it took me almost two years. Two years. So imagine I'm, I'm out in Silicon Valley. I'm sleeping on the floor because I couldn't afford a mattress yeah. of this illegally modified 1,200 square foot house that I'm sharing with almost 20 other people. We're all sharing a bathroom, one fridge, one kitchen, right? 20 people. There's a family of seven living in one bedroom of this little shack of a place. The garage has turned into two studio apartments. Like it's, it's a nightmare. I'm sleeping on the floor. Yeah. And my one year anniversary of being there was a very unhappy day. Right. Huh. Cause I okay. still had raised money. I still hadn't accomplished anything. I'm like, what the heck am I doing? I'm wasting my time. Yeah. I started to ask myself that question, that yeah. very question. How do I know when to quit? Is, have I tried hard enough? Have I tried long enough? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. When I wanted to quit was when we, I got a $150,000 phone call, right. Our first round of funding. And so usually success is right on the other side of your last straw. Okay. Right. It's good. Yeah. And, and it's just like anything else, you know, the, the, the rep that builds the muscle is the rep that you do not want to do. Right. Wow. And yeah. that's what it's like. Okay. Yeah. Learning that through pain comes growth. Almost. You have to go through the pain in order to find the new you or the new part that, that comes out on the backside. Interesting. Very, very powerful stuff. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. I thank you for having me. Yeah, dude. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in and listening to this episode. I hope you guys took a lot away from listening to Brett and some of the advice and things that he had. Be sure to show your support and follow him on Instagram at Knutson, that's at K-N-U-T-S-O-N, as well as keep an eye out for his book that he's going to be releasing. He's about halfway through writing a book right now, so as soon as that comes out, be sure to keep an eye out. It's going to be another good one that you want to listen to always good to kind of wrap your head around the concepts that people that think bigger and surround yourself with those ideas um, like he talked about in the interview as well as be sure to go over to fulfillment underscore podcast on instagram give me uh some dms some feedback and stuff you guys liked as well as head over to apple podcast like and subscribe to the show again thank you guys for listening we'll see you in the next one see you